You're not getting a latte to go. Unless posted otherwise. Are you making this up? Does he walk like an Egyptian? But as you're saying, oh, contraire, mon frere. Hit me with your rhythm stick. It's nice to be a lunatic. Which, by the way, I read once is like the highest level of depression and almost suicidal thoughts. And this may be perhaps the single most painful adjustment. Giddy up, John. Giddy up. Time to saddle that horse and get into the new episode of Smart Drivel. I'm Kurt Schneider, your co-host. And I'm John Ellenthal, your other co-host. And Kurt, I don't got a horse. In fact, it's been lonely on the plane since my horse died. By the way, how impressive are women riding that side saddle? <laughs> and they would ride side saddle. They'd jump over rivers they'd through you know brush and bramble. They'd go fast and they were always going side saddle. What the heck? That, I don't know how they did that. It was considered unladylike to spread your legs over the horse. Right. Unless you're Catherine the Great. But I'm <laughs> when was the last time you rode a horse, Kurt? Uh, maybe 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Well, it's been much longer for me. I haven't ridden a horse probably since I was a kid, you know, doing camp kind of things. I thought you were a jockey for a while. I was not a jockey. <laughs> All right, let's get into today's episode. Now that we've talked about side saddle and jockeying, as we jockey back and forth between our repartees, here's something, and it's it's we actually like when this happens, John. When previous smart dribble episodes beget new ones, it's sort of like the the wonderful provenance chain of genetic code of smart dribble. We're going to talk about customs that we do here in the U.S. that are not accepted or not cool or not okay, funnily enough, that's one of them, overseas. Are you suggesting that there are things that Americans do that are unique to Americans, Kurt? Not only unique, but we think they're okay and they actually are rude or they upset or they are obscene gestures for people overseas. And because Smart Travel has a global audience, I think we're going to get a big uptick in listeners who are going to say, oh, yes, hey, you guys do that. And we don't like it. <laughs> well, there is the notion of the ugly American. So we're going to spend this episode digging into some of the things that may have earned Americans that reputation. Well, I, I wouldn't say ugly American. No, and I'm disagreeing with you there completely. This is not an ugly American is something you do on purpose. This is not purposeful. These are things that we just they're customs. They're U.S. customs, things we do every day. We don't realize that over there, it's not considered appropriate. So you're arguing the ignorance defense. When you travel to a foreign country, do you think that we have any responsibility to learn up on some of the local customs before arriving? Um, of course we do, John. But all I'm saying is there's some of these that just happen and you don't realize it. For instance, there's something that I do all the time that I it's instinctual almost to me now where I give the thumbs up when someone says, you doing okay? Or, hey, do you want to go there? And I give the thumbs up. If I were in the Mideast or other countries, they think I'm flipping them off the bird if I do that and get very upset with me. You're right. That thumbs up is basically F you in a lot of other countries. So as I was preparing for this episode and I was making my list, I was thinking, man, it must be hard for Kurt to travel internationally. Then I realized that it's probably equally hard for me to travel internationally. I did notice that there were a lot of things related to the hand 
You mentioned thumbs up. It's not cool in parts of the world to actually use your left hand, like passing someone an item with your left hand, on account of the fact that toilet paper is not common the world over. And the left hand is considered for that reason to be dirty in many cultures. So if you pass someone the mustard with your left hand, that is a deeply offensive thing to do. It kind of gets back to that whole thing about how the poor left-handed people have been just ridiculed and bedeviled throughout life, right? It's like everything about left is bad. We talked about that in France, gauche is left. Well, guess what? Gauche, we now have made the word that says you're, you're tacky, you're gauche. That just means left, left-handed. I also believe it's true that left-handed people don't live as long. Now, I don't know if that's because the world is not necessarily set up and optimized for left-handed people. But if you looked up the life expectancy of a left-handed person, it would be lesser than that of a right-handed person. Are you making this up? I'm not, although that's the kind of thing you could expect to find made up on Smart Travel. This is one of them facts that I'll modify with the word true to be redundant. This is a true fact. If you're left-handed, you live less long than if you're right-handed? That's what I'm saying, Kurt. So if you're left-handed and your second toe is larger than your first toe, then at least you're smarter than other people, but you still are living less long, huh? If if I may quote a source as well-known as the New York Times, right-handed women tend to live five years longer than left-handed women, and right-handed men live 10 years longer than left-handed men, according to a report cited in the New York Times. Now, I I didn't realize the difference was that pronounced. I did know it was a thing, but not that big of a thing. I would think maybe in the 19th century, I get it, since everything was not, you know, geared towards left-handers back then. But now I would think you get to eat the same and do the same. Interesting. I wonder if there's something in the genetic code. To your larger point, for a very, very, very long time, like millennia, lefties were kind of vilified as lesser than, as unholy. And left-handedness is implicated in a bunch of bad behavioral and health things. That kind of scared me. So if I'm a lefty and I'm overseas giving the thumbs up, I'm living far less long. What if I'm overseas at a concert? I'm all excited. And I do that, you know, that rock on thing. It's like Texas hook'em horns. They call them like the devil horns. Rock on! ah, Like Kiss does, Narrow Smith. Guess what? That's cool. If you're here, it means rock on, rock on. If you're overseas, you know what it means? If you're in Italy, Spain, or Portugal, John? I want to enjoy a glass of wine with you after the concert. No, it means that you're saying that a man's wife was not faithful to him. And so if you did that at a concert, would anybody seeing that take offense? So the other 20,000 people there, you're getting the crap beaten out of you. I don't think you should go hook them horns then any place outside of actually, you shouldn't even do that outside of Texas, in my opinion. But it's not the hook them horns. It's the it's the that honestly come like the devil's horns. For yeah, it's the pinky on. and the index finger sort of up and everything else is closed down in a fist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But anyway, they don't do that. We wouldn't think twice about it here in the U.S. That is the topic of this episode. It's crazy. When you were introducing the topic, you referred to things that Americans do 
when they're traveling internationally that are offensive to the locals, whether it's intentional or otherwise. Referring to the U.S. as America is quite offensive, especially if you live in South America or Latin America, because as it turns out, they think that the U.S. is not the only America out there. And they don't like when the U.S. claims America as their own thing. So now, fortunately, you said that in the U.S., although you pointed out we do have an international audience, but it's the U.S., not America. So I think that's vestiges from the Monroe Doctrine, for sure, right? That's yes, the direct so correlation. Our isolationist strategy. Yeah. <laughs> why, why are you so surprised, Kurt? You got that quickly. It's basically us putting up our dukes saying, you come in our area, i.e. America, including South America, and we beat the crap out of you. So as we talk about things that you wouldn't even think about doing, and we've actually mentioned this on previous episodes, if you are in the UK and you decide to say peace to someone, or can I have two beers, and your palm happens to be facing you, that's basically flipping them off. It's giving them the bird, right? If your palm is facing you, you want the palm to be out and that's okay. That's peace, baby. Okay. I can understand wanting to order two of something while abroad. Do you oftentimes want to flash the peace sign when traveling internationally? For sure, man. Peace, dude. I say it all the time here. I, I sign off emails, peace. So yes, I, I'm just one of those peace for people and it's all good. Do you say like at the end of your emails, things like peace out? Peace out is different than peace. Peace is like just a thought and it's an emotion and it's a communique that puts people at ease and supports them and swaddles them like a newborn in a tight blanket. Nice analogy or perhaps a metaphor or perhaps even a simile, but that's a whole discussion for another day. Give me something else that we do that would be seen as rude or just not done overseas. When you go to a restaurant, Kurt, are you the kind of person who likes to place their order with, you know what, not too much this, no butter, some extra oil. Can I swap out this for a swap for, you know, for a different vegetable? Are you that I'm, kind of orderer? Only with one thing am I that kind of orderer. Otherwise, I take what is put on the menu. What's the one thing? The gin martini, because I have a whole routine. Oh, you are particular. So... Uh, Americans have quite a habit of trying to customize their order in restaurant to the nth degree, which is seems like, as it turns out, a uniquely American thing. If you were to do that internationally, you would not be well received. Now, you're probably not well received here in the U.S. either, but they (laughs) wait until they get in the kitchen to say, oh, that fucking person at table three is driving me nuts. You're not going to believe what they want. Let's pee in their soup. They, they do that in the U.S. and they pee in the soup and it's not pea soup, but um bum. You had told us in a previous podcast episode, which is exactly on the same point you're talking about, that also in Europe, they do not do doggy bags. I remember you telling us That's that. right. They do not do doggy bags. And th- I think there's a couple of reasons for that. The first is it is considered rude to ask for a doggy bag. The second thing is that in most other countries, they serve human-sized portions, where in the U.S., we are well-known for our supersized culture. Yes. So an entree in other parts of the world would be much more modest in proportion than what you find here. So there may even be less of an opportunity for a doggy bag elsewhere. 
Well, I also think the doggy bag is frowned upon because and eschewed over there because eating is an experience, right? For a lot of Americans, eating is not an experience. It's a means to an end. Let's fuel up, get in, get out, start whatever, getting back to our work. Whereas in the rest of the world, certainly in Europe and in places in South America, and I'm sure all over the world, to eat itself is an experience and you don't go in and out, which is why you don't get a doggy bag, which is why also takeout is not a big thing there. And also, and this hit me in France in 2001, you're not getting a latte to go. Yes, especially that's true in France, especially in Italy. If right. you were to order your coffee to go and deign to drink it while walking, you would be ostracized for reals in Italy. Because coffee, which is your point, is something that you sit down and enjoy at a leisurely pace, perhaps with a companion. You yes. do not. We have a very on the go culture here, which is, you know, there are lots of other differences that relate. We work many more days a year than they do elsewhere. And we work longer hours during the day than elsewhere. And I think most of the rest of the world is confused by how much and how hard we work. Because there's not that much time for leisure and enjoyment and companionship and just being, which is just not a big part of our culture. You're talking about that over the cup of coffee, right? The cafe and sitting in a cafe where they allow you to sit for hours and have one cup is considered a wonderful raison d'etre in and of itself, where for us, we don't think you'd want to do that at all. Well, I'll give you another little tiny example of yes, please. the same point. We're, we're always in a rush here in the U.S., which is why we want to drink our coffee on the go. Something we do to save a little bit of time, which is making a right turn on a red light, in, yeah. unless posted otherwise, is not something that is done elsewhere. You make a right turn on red in another country, they're going to wonder what the fuck you're doing. Especially if you're in England or Australia or Japan and you're doing it from the left lane. <laughs> that would definitely be confusing as well. I thought we could do a left on red when I was in England, but I guess not. I did it. Back to food for a second. So, because it seems like hand gestures and food seem to be the biggest things that we're not getting versus the rest of the world. If you go to someone's home here in the US, what do they teach you from when you're born? Clean they... your plate. Yes, sir. Guess what? You do it over in a different country, especially in Asia, it's considered an insult. They didn't give you enough food. The Middle East is this way too, and yes. they feel terrible. It's like, oh my God, I didn't do right as a host or hostess. I didn't feed you enough. Yes. And in a similar vein, if you go to someone's home elsewhere in the world and they offer you food, you are not to refuse it. It's considered extremely rude. Whereas here, you might go to someone's house and say, hey, would you like something? No, I'm good. I just ate. But that would not fly overseas. In fact, my mother taught my brother and me to always say when we went to someone's house, no, oh, that's okay. No, thank you on anything. And I remember as a kid wanting cookies and dessert. But my mom said, you say no, you say no, thank you. Not well, appropriate. Quite... And for I th thought I was doing it and she thought to be nice. But as you're saying, au contraire, mon frère. Okay. Yes, the famous French expression, au contraire, mon frère which is an oft-repeated device in French poetry. You see that quite a bit in French poetry. In Asia in particular, yes, you actually are supposed to refuse things and refuse gifts 
And it's a bit of a game because at some point you relent, but you're expected to refuse the gift several times before ultimately receiving it. And then once you finally say yes, it is inappropriate to actually open the gift in front of the gift giver immediately. Instead, you're supposed to take it and open it later. So they got a whole little game going on here that is very not customary in America or in the U.S., Where do we stand with that in the U.S.? Because at one point you think, oh, you should open it right away to be able to tell people, oh, my goodness, thank you so much and not keeping it late. But other times you say, well, maybe I shouldn't. I'll do it later. But then maybe they want you to open it right away. Well, in the U.S., I think we are much more likely to open it right then and there. And we're probably much more likely to say something like, oh, but you didn't get me batteries with that. Or, oh, I already have one of those. I guess I'll just re-gift it. Because we are like that sometimes. Kurt. We are. I'm like that. And I'm not proud of that. Well, we're, we're used to being catered to in this country yeah. much more than other countries. For example, we have incredible variety of our products. You know, there could be one product and then there's a no fat version of it. There's a dietary version of it. There's multiple flavors. There's a giant one, a small one. Elsewhere in the world, you do not have that kind of variety. So we are used to having exactly what we want, which is why we order dinner in a restaurant the way we do. And it's just atypical of what the rest of the world is like. So when we bring that stuff to other people's countries, they're like, hey, what's up with you? Well, and what's also a part of that too, we say cheers and we taught our our listeners why the clinking of the glass and saying cheers in episode probably three or four. But we say cheers. You should repeat that here, Kurt, for those who didn't hear episode three or four. Well, it was that back in the Middle Ages, you were always worried that you would get poisoned. And so you clinked a glass to put some of your drink in their glass and theirs in yours so that if they were trying to poison you, they'd have to drink it. Mutually but, assured destruction. So the issue with cheers now, we've actually become really lazy. I don't know if you've cheered someone recently. A, in America, we're cheersing with water, which you can't do. B, we're cheersing without looking you in the eye, which is not appropriate. And C, many times people will cheers and not even take a drink, a sip. That drives me crazy. But what you do, and especially in Asia, is if you say gambe, which in China or Japan, which is kampai in gambe, Japan kampai, gambe in China, that means you finish the entire beer, drink, whatever you're cheersing with. So we've gotten away with, oh, just have a sip or nothing, put it down. And in Russia, they give you something full, you're taking it down. Sticking with the beverage category. Yes. If you were in Norway, Kurt, and you were to go to a social gathering, you were not supposed to drink anyone else's alcohol. You actually not only bring your own beer or beverage, but you only drink your own beverage. You do not drink someone else's stuff in Norway. So please be careful in Norway, Kurt. So Norway is BYOB the entire time? Yes. Got it. You know, we were talking about gifts before and it reminded me, I have a friend who's Egyptian and he tells me- Does he walk like an Egyptian? He tells me that it is, at one time I was with him And he was wearing a watch. And another friend of ours said to him, that's a really nice watch and complimented him on his watch. He was then compelled to take the watch off and give it to the person who complimented him. So if you really want something nice, find Egyptian people who already have it and then compliment them. 
Exactly. And say, boy, I love that watch. Or boy, I love your sneakers. Boy, I love your Maserati. <laughs> what about the wife? I don't know about that. Unless you do hook them horns and someone had already done it to him. Something that you and I struggle with mightily when we travel abroad is the fact that we are prone to striking up conversations with strangers. Yeah, it's and fun. I desperately miss the toll booths on the turnpike because I used to have lovely chats before Easy Pass with the toll collectors. So, which, by the way, I read once is like the highest level of depression and almost suicidal thoughts. Being an Easy Pass toll booth collectors. Why? I don't know. Because all your relationships are so short and transactional? Yeah. I wonder if they go home and actually can have a relationship with someone who doesn't give them money. I don't think so. No, maybe that's it. Uh Uh-huh. Penny for your thoughts, father. When your children were about to be born, Kurt, did you and Susan have baby showers? Yes, we did, of course. Well, that is considered bad luck in most other cultures to be doing stuff before the baby actually arrives. So the baby shower is not something you're going to find in most other countries. I think on the baby shower, I yeah. think in the Jewish religion, and you can tell, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but I think you actually you know, know more about Judaism based on growing up in Scarsdale, New York than I do. I think in the Jewish religion, you don't put together the baby crib until the baby's born. Whereas in the other Christian religions, you put it together and everything's all set up beforehand. That was true in my case, because our first child was born 10 days early and the crib hadn't arrived yet. Those were so hard to put together. Oh. So I honored. Yeah, those are especially when you get the wheels on and everything's rolling and around and you got the, the one side that goes up, but it locks and comes down halfway and all the way. And yeah. Do you think at our ages, with the brain shrinkage we've experienced over the years, that we could figure out how to install a modern car seat in a car today? <laughs> Not a chance. How about when you're trying to put the baby in the car seat and they go fully stiff and arch their back and they become like a brick and you cannot get them in that car seat? Well, that's just a metaphor for what's going to happen later in life when they become inflexible and resistant to your wishes in many, many other ways. So I want to say adios because we're out of time for today. But do you want to hit me with one more weird thing that Americans do? I want to hit you with my rhythm stick because I'm a bloody lunatic. Hit me. You know what song that's from? Yeah. What? Hit me with your rhythm stick is uh, ELO. Hit me with your rhythm stick is a song by Ian Dury and the Blockheads. Hit me with your rhythm stick. It's nice to be a lunatic. Anyway, what I was just going to say is this is almost like a public service announcement, this episode. So one thing that I wish someone had once told me, tipping is not a big thing overseas. And in fact, in some countries, if you tip, they see it as an insult. What, you think I need the money? That is perhaps the most confusing part about traveling trying to understand the local customs around tipping. And they're included a lot and they don't tell you. And then you double tip and that just ticks you off. Propio inclusivo. That's, that is, is tip included? Is that a pregunta? That's yes. That's in Spanish and Italian. So, Well, I will leave you with two, Kurt. Please, John. In the United States, it is yes. customary to sit in the back seat of a taxi. Yes. That is highly unusual elsewhere in the world. So you would actually ride shotgun 
in most other parts of the world. They don't even give you an option to sit in their front seats here in the U.S., at least in New York. They got their lunch on there. They got everything else there. They don't want you to sit there. They got their books. And number two, and this may be perhaps the single most painful adjustment that U.S. citizens must make when traveling abroad, and that is there are no free refills, Kurt. <laughs> well, there's not in New York either. That's more of a West Coast and South thing. I didn't know that that wasn't a thing in New York. No free refills? Not if you go to a restaurant. In LA, when I moved out there and I got free refills on my Arnold Palmer, I thought it was fantastic. I come back here and I had six Arnold Palmers at lunch like I would in LA and I got charged for six of them. Okay, that is redonkulous. <laughs> All right. One last tip before we go. I hope it's a gobsmacking one. It is. Especially if you're in Turkey, do not put your hands in your pockets. And I like to do that. I put my hand in my pocket sometimes. and little pocket pool? And not playing pocket pool, but it is considered arrogant if you do that. What is it about that that creates the air of arrogance to the Turks? I guess that you look, and I talk with my hands, so it's hard for me to do this, but I guess it's probably with. That's why we have hands, microphones on your hands when we're recording. If I put my hands in my pocket, I don't really care what you're saying. I think I'm better than you. I think same with beckoning, right? They tell you not to beckon. We like to beckon people. Come here, come here. You don't do that overseas. Rude. Well, this has been very, actually very educational for me. I feel that not only I feel great that we are able to bestow some of these tips on our fellow listeners, but also for me, I've taken good notes too. And next time I travel abroad, I'm going to be far better for it. So yes, this was very useful. Kurt, thank you for this. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us this week. Kurt and I will be back next week with another brand new episode of Smart Drivel. Until then, we hope that your life and week is filled with Smart Drivel. Goodbye, everybody. Ciao, everyone. Ciao, everyone.